Thank you, Lupe. Thank you, Travis, for reading for us. From Romans 12. Um, that's not where I expected us to be this morning. That's not where I expected to be studying and preparing these past couple of weeks. But it's where God brought me, and I believe where God has brought us. And that's where we're going to be for the next several times that I preach um, and give a sermon. But I think for us, as we come back together, I've been thinking a lot about difficult experiences that I've had. Difficult experiences for my family. And what has made me the most sad is thinking about as I've gone through some of those experiences and then later in life I would find myself in the same situation responding and acting the same way that I had initially. Right? So I had experienced this once, it was a disaster, and now I'm in a different part of my life and I'm the same, similar experience, and I'm responding the same way. That I get to this point and I didn't learn anything. I've experienced that over and over in my life. And as a father, I watch this regularly with my children, with my family, again and again and again. Didn't we just go over this? Aren't we in the same situation? Didn't you learn from the last time? What are you going to do different next time? But we all do that. And so I found this cartoon that I wanted to share. I'll let you guys read it. And then I'll let Nidia explain it in Spanish. It says the department of lessons learned, the next door the departments of lessons relearned, and the third door the department of, oh, for crying out loud. La primera puerta, la oficina de lecciones aprendidas, La, la segunda puerta, la oficina de lecciones que se tienen que aprender de nuevo. Y tercera, el, el, la oficina de... Ay, otra vez. Can you guys relate with others as you look at that cartoon? ¿Ustedes lo entienden? Can you relate with yourself? you realize that that's you that that's us that we go through things again and again and often we have to relearn them and then often we have to relearn them again and I would desire for us just to go through the first door that life is all about the first door that we would learn lessons that we would walk through we would experience life God would use us and transform us and we would learn and we would respond differently but you guys know that following Jesus, this life that we share together is learning and relearning and relearning and relearning. But we've just come through an experience of a lifetime. No one here prior to this year ever went through a global worldwide pandemic. 
None of us. This is a once in a generation experience. As a church family, we were unable to gather together physically in the same place for over a year. That, that's never been my experience. That's never been our experience. This is a new experience for all of us. And so I want us to stop. I want us to consider this morning what is it that we learned from our time apart? What lessons did we learn about our worship while we were apart? What lessons did we learn about our discipleship as we were apart? What lessons did we learn about our relationships? And what lessons did we learn about how we want to gather and about how we want to share our lives together? It would be a tragedy for us just to return in our minds, in our lives, in our hearts, just exactly to the way things were without considering and reflecting and learning from what we have been through. What God has done and what God is doing through this experience. Because we have become used to being apart. And coming together after such a long time apart can be wonderful. But it can also be difficult. That's our current reality. Coming out of this time apart, now coming back together, that's encouraging, that's exciting, but it may be difficult as we try and bring our lives back together to share life together. Now, Nidia and I experienced this early on in our relationship. To be apart and then to come together. And then to be apart and then come together. And it's not because we kept changing our minds. But she lived in Texas and I lived in Georgia. And so, when I would come see her, which... It would just be for a couple of days. I could put on a show. I was the most amazing boyfriend ever coming and just serving her and loving on her because I could do it so well for a couple of days. She would love me. She would think that I was amazing. And then I would turn back to Atlanta and we'd have this significant months apart. And then I would return and we would show, I'd show off again and it would be good and then we would be apart. And I remember the anxiety going back and forth, being apart, being together, being apart, being together and what that was like and oh, how is she going to perceive me and how is our relationship going to handle this? And then we got married. It all changed. Our first year in Austin together in married housing as she was finishing school and much of it Emmanuel was sleeping on our sofa from her perspective 
It was horrible. It was horrible to live with me every day, day after day after day, after we had spent all this time apart, and she only knew me this one way. When we come together for a couple of days, then we came back together, and we stayed together, married together. Day after day after day. And it shattered her expectations. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not how our relationship is supposed to be. How are we going to be together and continue to be together and share with each other and live together? There's joy and there's excitement as we come back together. But there's also fear and anxiety of re-entering into relationships, of being open with our lives again, of people being involved in what we are doing and who we are. We've been physically isolated, but we're reconnecting. And so it's important for us to be reflective, to consider what we've heard from God during this time, to stop and listen to the Lord, to hear His Word and be ready to respond. About how are we going to follow Jesus together? How are we gathering together? And how are we living as family together after so much time apart? Now again, as I prayed through this, I found myself where I did not expect to be. God brought me to Romans 12. And as I said, that's where I think we'll be for a while. As we read this this morning, I realized this is something we should wake up and read every day before we interact with others. This, this should be in our heads and our minds. Like This is what it means to be in relationship. This is how I'm to respond and act and engage with others. And honestly, in many ways, outside my family, I haven't needed to consider that for such a long time. But it's obviously important now, and it's obviously relevant now. And so jumping into Romans 12, I want to give you just a little bit of context of the book of Romans. Paul was a religious Pharisee. We've been talking about Pharisees. We've been considering this response of the religious with Jesus. He was an expert in the law and their traditions, the practices of religion. He is someone that had been focusing on the outside and neglecting the inside. But Paul had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and it changed everything. Everything about his life changed. 
And he spent his life going throughout the non-Jewish world, going throughout the Roman world, establishing these Jesus communities, these churches. He established and began and raised up churches, Jesus communities. And the church in Rome that he's writing to, it was made up of Jews and Gentiles that were following King Jesus. Jews and Gentiles, those that uh, were ethnically Jew as well as those of the ethne, those of all the nations, those of Rome. And there was a division in the church. There was a division about their traditions that we've been talking about. There was a division about their customs and about their practices. There was fighting in the church and disagreement in the church about how they were supposed to do what they did. And specifically, as Paul is writing this letter, those Jews and Gentiles had just come back together from a significant time apart. The Jews had been sent out. They had been expelled from Rome by the emperor of Rome. They had been required to leave. And so the church in Rome continued as this Gentile church, but this letter is written at a time when the Jews have returned back and these divisions, these differences are an issue as they try to be in relationship together after being apart for such a long time. They're trying to re-engage, they're trying to walk together and to share life together after being apart and it makes the relationship difficult. Does that sound familiar? We've been apart. We're coming back together. We want to re-engage in relationship with each other. And we need to be prepared that relationships are difficult. Relationships are good. Relationships are worth it. But relationships are difficult. But his main purpose in writing Romans was to unify the church as they came back together. Okay? Paul was writing to unify the church as they came back together after this time apart. Everybody with me? Now, was this written to an individual? No. This was written to the church in Rome. This was written to a multi-ethnic family of faith living life together in Rome. It was written to a family, not written to individuals. It was written to a group, not to an individual. And so we need to hear this, not as individuals, but as a family. We need to hear this as a group. This is written to us to consider, not to me for considering, to us as we come back together. 
And I don't know how familiar you are with Romans 12. But as I read it initially, I feel like I have been programmed to read it as an individual. Our, our culture, even our church culture, has, has taught me to just handle this and receive this so individualistically. And as we understand this passage, as we apply this passage, that was never the way it was intended. So let's receive it together for us. So I'm going to read Romans 12.1. We're going to try and read it together. And I'm going to read it in English with a Southern grammar. Because the Southern grammar in English works better biblically. Okay, I think when God speaks English, He speaks in Southern. So we can understand Him better. Amen? Thank you, Ashley. Anyone else? In Spanish, which is probably the la, la lingua de Dios original, see? Probably the original language of God. It's already, you can yeah. see the, the plural. You, can, you don't have to understand that this isn't for the individual. This is plural. So I'm going to change what I read, but Nidia is basically going to read the Spanish as it is. Everybody with us? All right, so Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge all y'all, all y'all, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer all your bodies together, all y'all's bodies, as a one singular living sacrifice. All y'all offer all y'all's bodies, plural, plural, as one singular sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is all y'all's together. True and proper worship. Hopefully we're thinking now. Hopefully we're, we're wrestling with, wait, exactly what does this mean for us? It is not multiple individual sacrifices. That's not what the text says or is communicating. But we together are making one single collective sacrifice. We, the many of us living together as one, are the living sacrifice. Us as a body, as a family, this multi-ethnic family, right? Living together, we are the sacrifice. That's our true and proper worship. So I want you to think about this, that our true and our proper worship 
is our unity together. How we live together in unity. That's our true and proper worship. And again, back to the context. It says, therefore. Therefore, in light of. It's, Paul is pointing back to all of Romans. Romans 1 through Romans 11. In light of everything I've just said and explained to you. Therefore, you need to see yourself as one body. Right? All of your bodies, all y'all together, making one sacrifice. Despite your differences. Despite that you are multi-ethnic. Despite that you have different traditions. Despite that you have different customs and practices. That even though all of that does not change, we are unified. And in that unity, the appropriate response is to be transformed together. Living together. Sharing life together. And our life together is the sacrifice. Everybody still with me? Let me give an example. You guys know that uh, Nita and I have been fostering for uh, just over three years now. But this isn't a journey that we started alone. God put this in our heart and I remember meeting Ernesto and Renee and talking about fostering and talking about what God had spoken to them, what God had encouraged them with. And we, had, in our very first years here in L.A., went to classes, fostering classes with Renee and Ernesto. We started and we stopped. And then we started again. And then we began to foster, and then very similarly, in a similar time, they began to foster as well. And if you guys remember, they were living in El Sereno. And they had two children. They had Finn and Amos. But as they started fostering, and they had a few kids come in and a few kids go out, and then they had one child that stayed this longer period of time. And they remembered, or I remember them sharing with us that they had come to the realization that they couldn't do this alone. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it alone. They couldn't do what God, what they felt that God was calling them to do. They could not do it alone. They needed family. They needed family around them to support them and to participate and to be a part of the fostering that they were doing. Being a part of this worship, the service to God. 
I remember driving home after talking with them. I remember Nina and I weeping in the van. Like, would, would that, does that mean what God maybe speak to them? What, what would it look like if they came back and they lived amongst us? If they relocated, if they, they, they reconnected as a part of our family, part in order to do what God had called them to do. Ernesto called me a little while later. We met. And he shared what he felt that they wanted to do. They wanted to move to Lanark. And God opened up an apartment. And they moved in. And they are here. And it is our job. It is part of our worship to participate with them, to support them, to serve them and to be family to them and to these children that come in and out of their homes. They cannot do it alone. They have to have a family, their church family, around them to do that. I can claim that as we have gone through this, it is far beyond us. Far beyond anything that we can do. But as a family, we provide for each other. As a family, we provide meals. We provide vehicles. We provide services. We provide babysitting. We provide hugs and love and care and prayer and concern. And we hold each other when we're crying. And we encourage each other when we're discouraged. Because it is difficult. It is hard as we sacrifice and as we serve. You cannot worship God in the way that Paul is describing as an individual alone. You cannot worship God the way Paul is describing isolated and disconnected from God's family. And so coming back together after an extended time apart before the difficulty of being together becomes difficult again I want us to consider now and think about this to reflect to ask ourselves to be honest with the Lord to be honest with each other if we are willing to respond with our lives with a shared life together are we, are we willing to hear these words after being apart and coming back together all of us unified together making one single holy and pleasing sacrifice to him our life together that sounds difficult to me 
It's hard for me to, to, to even envision that. And what does that mean for each of us? And how do we all connect together? What does it look like? And how does that happen? And what is it that will unify us? What is it that will keep us together as we come back together despite our differences, despite the difficulties of relationship? Anybody? What is it? What, what's going to unify us? What's going to hold us together? It's the gospel. That's it. We are church centered. We are neighbor focused. Because, because we are gospel driven. And the gospel is what unifies us. The gospel is what brings us together. The gospel is what brought this church in Rome after being apart and coming back together and experiencing difficulty in relationships. Paul is saying, therefore, in light of, because of the gospel. That's what you share in common. It says, in view of God's mercy. That we don't need another reason. If you have another reason, you need to let go of that reason. That you would, for any reason whatsoever, try to come back together, share life together as one body, us sacrificing and serving, worshiping God together. If there's any other reason besides the gospel, besides this mercy of God, you need to let it go. Because we make this living sacrifice together in view of, because of God's mercy, because of His compassion for us, because of His, literally, His pity for us. God's mercy, God's compassion, God's pity for us. That He has found us. As we sang this morning, that He has rescued us from a desperate place, from a place of absolute need. And in pity for us, God moved. God responded and rescued us and helped us and came alongside us and lived for us and died for us and was resurrected for us. Because we were unable to help ourselves because of His mercy, because of His pity for us. And that is a humbling perspective to have about ourselves. But again, that's the context of Romans 12. That's what has come before in Romans 1 through 11. So as we come back together, recognize that our unity is based on our neediness. Our unity is based on our neediness. 
Our unity is based on our helplessness. Our unity is based on our brokenness, our weakness. And through the gospel, we have this supernatural power of belonging that has been offered to anyone who will acknowledge that they are in need. We have a oneness in our neediness. We need to come to that reality. We need to believe that. In light of that, in light of that reality, we come back together and we share this life together because we are in need. We've all shared this this neediness, this experience of neediness, and and Jesus has rescued us, is rescuing us, and will fully rescue us, but we're still in need. We're in need of Him. We're in need of His Spirit. We're in need of each other. So I want you to turn to your family that you're sitting with and tell the other person you are needy. Now, I want you to turn back to that person and say, you are needy too. We're all needy. Y'all are a needy bunch. Me too. Thank you, Annalise, for speaking the truth. Are you guys ready to come back and live amongst a community of need? Of needy people. You got to isolate yourself. We, we, got, we, we have removed ourselves and now we're coming back in relationship as a needy person with a bunch of other needy people that we're supposed to be in relationship with because of our neediness. This should be a safe place to be a mess. This should be a safe family to be a part of if you are broken. This should be a safe place for all who are full of need. Think about the people who were drawn to Jesus. They were the people who had needs. They were not the people who had it all together. They were the broken. They were the outcasts. They were the sinners. They were the people that had needs. And they were drawn to Jesus. And yet we come together and we hide our needs. And those outside the church say, I can't come with my needs, with my mess, with my brokenness. Because those people have it together. And my life is full of a mess. But our lives, if we're together, then, then we're a mess. Like, let's be honest that we're broken, that we have needs. That again and again I go through things and I don't learn what God is showing me. That's the reality. But yet God is calling us to come together as needy people, sharing our lives and our neediness by faith in Jesus through the Holy Spirit to be transformed to a new life Together. Together. My neediness with your neediness. And as we get to it, we'll see that we also have gifts. 
for each other. I have gifts to serve your neediness and you have gifts to serve my neediness. But if you don't have needs, then there's no need for a gift. There's no need for us to care and to love for each other. But we now, because of our need, have participated in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have shared in His death. We have shared in His resurrection. If we acknowledge this need, right, we have a new status. We have been forgiven and our relationship with God has been made right. If we've acknowledged our needs, we are a part of, we have a new family. We are a part of God's family, a part of this family full of needs. And we've been given a new future together. The hope of a transformed life together. That's our living sacrifice. The gospel is upside down. The gospel is backwards. It does not make any sense in our minds. It is not something that we would think, this is a great idea. To, to get together with a bunch of people who have needs and continue to have needs with my needs and let's all live together one life of neediness. But we can't just hear God's word. We have to listen. And we have to be ready to respond as we come back together. I want us to be a bunch of needy people who worship God. That's the sacrifice. That is holy. That is pleasing to God. That's what we are to do as we come together from being apart. Despite our differences, we are unified in the gospel. We're unified in our neediness. And we sacrifice our life together. So I want us to think about that. Consider that. Reprogram our minds to not think so individualistically. And Paul's going to continue. We will continue. Uh, read Romans 12 for yourself. Continue to read it. Continue to think about what does this look like? Oh, what is my responsibility as a needy person gathering and sharing life with other needy people? This is not one and done. This is what we do. This is what it means to be a community of Jesus followers, to be a church, to be a multi-ethnic family. Let me pray. And then I want us to listen again 
uh, to the last song that we sang. That's how we're going to close. And I want you to think about it and the perspective of your neediness. The neediness that you had, the neediness that you have, and the neediness that you will have. And how Jesus, how the gospel rescues us is the solution, is the remedy for us as we continue together. We have to start in that place. We have to stay in that place. And so let me pray and then we'll stand together and re-sing this last song. Father God, I pray that you would transform our minds that you would transform the way we think that we would think according to your word that we would think according to the gospel the gospel that is upside down the gospel that seems backwards with our worldly perspectives the gospel that, that, that seems it seems in, to be inaccurate as an individual and our individualistic perspectives that we all have. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would transform our minds, that we would receive this perspective, and that you, Holy Spirit, would give us power to live this life together, all of us, serving, worshiping you with our life, our life together. God, please continue to meet us in our neediness. May you be glorified in our lives. May you be glorified in this place through our neediness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.